Hi everybody, hi Nina, welcome to Podcarls, the Karlshochschule and uh, Kohi podcast together. As you can see all the Kohi things in the background if you're watching the video version. Um, we're here today to talk to students, alumni, uh, professors, as always anyone kind of Karls related about their passions and their hobbies and what they, what they like to do and uh, how that relates to their studies maybe, how, uh, how they feel about that, just kind of listening to what people have to say. I'm here today with Nina. Uh, Nina is a student at the Karlsruhe right? Second yes, semester? second semester. So uh, before I introduce you, why don't you just introduce yourself a little bit to the audience? Sounds great. Hi, everybody. I'm Nina. I'm 21 years old, and I'm from a very, very small village called Plitzhausen, which is near Stuttgart. So I am from Germany. Um, yeah, my hobbies and what I do in my life is basically very social stuff. I love spending time with people. I love spending time with friends, just going out and about. Um, the pandemic has made it a little bit harder, but I'm trying my best to stay connected, spend time with people and kind of give back to communities as best as I can. Um, yeah, talking about passions, I am very passionate about the United Nations and different intergovernmental institutions. So, for example, also the European Union. And I'm also a member of the UNA Germany, which is the United Nations Association Germany, and the JAF, which is the basically European federalists that try to bring the United Nations ideas and the European idea closer to the people. Do you even really have time to go out with friends with all the list of kind of extracurricular stuff you do? Well, um, sometimes it gets a little challenging with all those meetings, but um, I always think that if you want to have time for something, you're going to find a time for something. So it's just all about scheduling and you're going to have the time. Four hours of sleep is enough for... You know. um, so tell me about your move to Karlsruhe. Why did you move here? How have you found it so far? Was it not a bit tricky kind of during the pandemic moving to a new place? Well, gladly I've moved in the summer, so um, it was a little bit better. I could meet people. Um, I was able to also meet my roommates because I'm living in a flat share. And so it has been easier, but it's obviously a little more challenging than it would be without a pandemic. But I think it's all about adapting. I always like to think of myself as somebody that adapts to new circumstances easily. So yes, as you said, it has been a little more challenging, but doable. And uh, with your hobbies, I mean, I doubt as a nine-year-old who already kind of interested in these organizations for uh, the United Nations, what were your kind of hobbies before that or outside of that? Um, well, as I said, like very social, so friend groups, spending time with friends. As a nine-year-old, it, it would probably still be like playing with dolls a little bit and playing pretend play or something like that. Um, no, it was not United Nations related. I probably didn't even know what the United Nations was when I was nine years old. Um, but yeah. Okay. So what made you kind of uh, move towards that? What was your uh, motivation for, you know, getting involved in these kinds of projects? Because I know I wouldn't really be motivated personally as much, I guess. Well, I think um, when I first heard about it in politics class in school, I was just really interested about their mission. And I decided to do a little more individual research on what they actually want to achieve and what they actually want to do. And I just found it super interesting. And then I looked more about how they developed the history of these organizations. And I found it really interesting that they are more people-centered now, that they're not so much um, focus on only nations anymore, which is obviously still an important part, but they're also really looking at the people, the societies, and just the people on the ground. And that's something I found super interesting. So, as I said, social person, I was like, yeah, maybe I could start being a part of that. Maybe I could start, 
giving back a little bit, maybe I could start building from the bottom up, basically. Okay, so what would you say... You said that, like, you know, obviously they don't just focus on nations anymore. They're focusing on people. That would have been, like, a misconception I had, right? Apart from the whole corona is a lie, the UN are all lizard people kind of conspiracy stuff, what do you think are, like, what is the one misconception about kind of organizations like the UN or the EU that you would say is, like, most annoying to you? What, like, frustrates you most when you're out for a drink with people and they say, oh, doesn't the UN just X, Y, Z, you know? I think it's mostly, um, we already touched upon that a little bit, it's mostly that people think they can't do anything. I mean, yes, it is still, still interstate, I don't want to doubt that. It's not like an NGO that is super local, but you can definitely get involved. And there is things that you can do. There is things that you can do to get involved, and you can be a part of the United Nations. And I think this is what I want people to understand more, that it's, yes, it is a big organization, it's worldwide, but there is chances to be involved and there's chances to become a part of that and to make a difference, even as an individual. So you said you got interested in politics class, right? You had, yeah. is it all, in all German schools that they teach politics? Or? For us, it started, I'm in the state of Baden-Württemberg. I don't know about, and when I was in school still, um, um, I don't know if this changed or how it is in other states, but we had politics class ever since eighth grade. And yeah, our teacher was very um, adamant about teaching us about these different organizations and what they do. Do you think it was like a good teacher that did it? Or? For sure. Yeah. Our teacher was great. What do you think are like problems in the way kind of politics are taught? Because I find it can often be very dry or very kind of academic. What do you think? Yeah, I think... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to... No, what do you think um, really makes a good politics class, you know? I think it's interaction. For us, we did a lot of, like, role-play games. So we really did simulations of the United Nations Security Council, for example. And that was something that got me really interested. Or we really got it close to ourselves. It wasn't this abstract thing, this is above you, and this is something that you can see in the news. It was something we got to be a part of. Um, even though it was just a role-play or a simulation, it still gave us a feeling a little bit and I think for most of the students it really got them interested and they wanted to learn more because I know that it wasn't just me it was more people that actually did research individually because it was so interesting. It's, I think it's the same like especially we're here in a Kulturraum where there's a lot of arts and music and slam poetry and you know this kind of uh, cultural stuff. Do you think that um, do you think that maybe like we should use the arts a little bit more because i mean this seems like a kind of theater right and i know a lot of people are politically motivated by their favorite songs and i don't think there's been a single slam poetry night here without someone using the word like regierung or control or something during the slam poem so like uh what would you say what would be your kind of experiences with culture and what would you do to kind of say bring politics to culture education or culture to politics education well, I think that culture is obviously a way that connects people. People get excited about culture, about music, about movies. People get excited about that stuff. So I do think it's a great way to get people motivated about something. Like you said, for poetry slams, people love those poems. They applaud. They're really excited about them. Or music, as I said. So I think those ways could really be used to bring it back to the people again, to get the missions across. So whether it's in a song. Um, I mean, we all know, for example, these Live Aid songs that mm -hmm. people were singing up and down that were played up and down on the radio, whether you want to like those songs or the mission behind it or not, it was political and people talked about it. And I think it's a great way to get it back in the conversation just to basically remind people and to have them connect over those kind of things, whether it's singing a song or watching a movie.
things like that. Have you ever seen a like pro political institutions kind of piece of art or music? So I'm just thinking about it and like all of the music that I know is political is like punk rock, which is not like we love the UN, like please have stronger parliaments, you know what I mean? Um, was there any kind of art or theater or something like that that inspired you or? Not that I know of. It was more the artists behind it. Like there's a lot of actors, for example, that are UN ambassadors. And when you see your childhood stars kind of be a UN ambassador, then you wonder, okay, what does this organization actually do? What are they an ambassador for? So it's probably more the people. But as you say, I am, I'm not aware, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But you know there's a few cultural role models and that's kind of important. Because I think that speaks to people in a, in a different way than kind of here are some facts and figures, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can talk all day about how much good they do or show what they do, but it's not as nice as when you're like, you know, George Clooney loves Europe and then all of a sudden. Yeah, or Emma Watson worked or um, is an ambassador for UN Women, for example, because mm -hmm. that was one of my childhood stars or somebody that I really admired and looked up to. You're also like very active in theater, right? Do you have like a favorite play you did or like one performance that really stands out as like, this was the one where I really was Emma Watson for a day. <laughs> Um, yeah, so back at high school, I was part of our drama club and we did musicals quite um, successfully, actually. We also won several prizes with that. And um, oh, it's hard to pick a favorite. We did a lot of great plays like Alice in Wonderland. We did Hairspray. Uh, we did Snow White. Um, we did Jackal and Hyde. It was a lot of fun. If I had to pick one, Mm, it would possibly be Hairspray because it's a Broadway musical. I'm a big Broadway fan. Um, and it also has a political message behind it, actually, which was super interesting to me. What's the political message of Hairspray for anyone who hasn't heard of it or seen it? Oh, I hope I don't get it wrong now. Well, you but, just try um, your best. They should read the book or the play. So. Yeah, there's. I think there's also on YouTube, there's great like summaries and stuff, but I'll try my very best. So Hairspray is um, in the 1960s in the US, and it's basically about this movement um, of black people that were trying to end the segregation or that were trying to end the racism that was going on. Um, so it was about these movements, and Hairspray is about this black girl that is trying... Or no, it's actually, it's a, no, it's not a black girl, actually. It's a girl that is not um, fitting the beauty standard. So she's a little more heavy, on the heavier side, and um, she's trying to get into, uh, onto TV. And it's very, like, white and look up to those people and she's trying to change that a little bit and then it also brings in, like, the um, racial discussion about how can we change this standard or how can we change the narrative to get people more involved from different sectors so i hope i did a good job summarizing i think that. you did just fine that's okay i mean i've also i have read it but i just wanted to ask you so you know I, you have to pretend to be dumb sometimes to get other people to answer but yeah it's about kind of breaking norms and standards right yeah. and going against the expected exactly i think also a lot of the characters right who have this kind of appearance that you see from her seeing them on tv when she gets to know them in real life they're very different to the way they appear and exactly yeah it's very much that things aren't the way they seem always yeah that's interesting so if you performed musicals, right, how do you rank your ability with the with the three different singing, dancing and acting? What do you enjoy the most? What do you despise? You know, what's your strong point? So despise is easier um, because I'm not very good at dancing. I'm, I guess that's the German in me. I'm just very oh. stiff. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel very comfortable dancing. Other people would probably say I'm not as bad as I say I am, but I just don't feel comfortable doing it. Um, singing and acting. 
finding a preference between these two is a little harder. I enjoy both. If I had to pick, I would say acting. Do you think sometimes that there's like, a, this is just a very random thought, right? But do you think there's like a connection between the two whereby like both of them are just kind of like portraying emotions, right? Yeah, they're definitely about portraying emotions. It's also about bringing a point across and connecting with the audience, which is very important, I think, because if you're on stage and you don't connect with the audience, they're not going to feel anything. Yeah. But if you want to bring the feeling across, you really got to have stage presence. You really got to try to bring it closer to them and not just be that person that is on the stage that portrays mm -hmm. something. Do you think that's, I mean, do you do any work in kind of trying to educate children about like, or younger people about the EU? Do you think there's like, some kind of parallel between, or do you ever get frustrated that when people talk about these institutions, it's so kind of cold? Do you think that maybe like, we need to bring a little bit more life to when we talk about politics? Yeah, I think that will be an important thing. Like we just talked about like, getting a point across to an audience and getting them excited about something. I think you could really compare that to politics or to these institutions. So for the United Nations Association that I work with, for example, we have a project called United Nations in the Classroom. So we try to bring the mission of the United Nations closer to young students. And we do just what we did. Um, Except, like outside of that program, we try to bring to people a simulation of the United Nations and to explain to them the mission of the United Nations. For Europe or for this um, young European Federalist, I think there's a similar project. I'm not a member of it, but I think it also exists like the same idea basically mm -hmm. to do simulations of the European Parliament and to explain to young students the mission of this institution. Okay. So obviously, um you started studying at the Karlsruhe here in Karlsruhe, which is one of the producers alongside Koei of this podcast. Um, what made you come there? I mean, I assume because you're very interested in the UN, it being in English is like a big plus point. But otherwise, did you kind of align yourself with any of the vision of the Karlsruhe? How did you even discover the place? Tell us a little bit about that. So um, I think one I, I discovered the place was actually from a narration from somebody. Like I heard from somebody that heard from somebody. So I looked it up. And what actually made me apply was um, the principle or the vision that they have. So it's not this top-down principle that there are certain rules and regulations. Obviously, there are rules and regulations in place. But the Carls ha has this vision of from the students for the students kind of idea. And also along with the staff members, we're able to build our vision together. So it's not a set project yet, it's always changing and it's always evolving. And I think that's something I really like. It's reflecting and learning and trying to improve, learning from past mistakes possibly, because nobody's perfect. So we're trying to improve, trying to get better. And I think this is something that I really, really like about Carl's, that you get to be a part of a process, which is really exciting. What have you done to kind of get active so far? Are you in Stuv? Yes, yeah. I'm in Stuv. So yeah, student board. Tell us a little bit about that, I guess. Um, yeah, so as I w I'm a first semester student, I wasn't sure whether I should run at first because I was like, hmm, I don't even know the place that well yet. But then I figured like, maybe actually that's a great thing because I can like make a difference even though I don't know that much yet. And I can try and grow with this organization or with um, the Carls together or with the student board. And um, yeah, I, I was just trying to basically be part of something that could make a difference. And I always like empowering other people. So through my position in the student board, I've been trying to hear other people's voices that are probably 
either too shy or don't want to speak up for whatever reason and make their concerns heard as well. That's something that's really, really important to me. So your experience so far kind of lived up to your expectations a little bit or has it been a disappointment? <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's different because it's um, pandemic times. I think when we started, we were still in person, which was great, um, but we moved online pretty quickly. And it is definitely, I think, a different experience than it would be, on, uh, than it would be in person. But it's still, I think we're trying to make the best out of it. We're trying to be as visible as possible. It hasn't always worked out. We could still do better. Um, but I think we're trying our best and um, trying our best to stay connected and hear as many voices as we can. Mm -hmm. So you think you're doing a good job anyway of being a still representative for the rest of your classmates? I think so, yeah. There have been a lot of people that reached out to me and said, this is my concern. Could you make my voice heard? Could you bring this across? Could you talk to the responsible person? So. I think like from the feedback that I've gotten from others, I think I'm doing okay. Um, so say I wanted to get involved in kind of working with uh, promoting the UN or education for the UN or the EU. Um, why, why would I do that? What are the problems that we're kind of facing that we need to, where the UN could really help? What are the benefits of if everyone in the world loved and fully supported the UN and knew all about it, what difference would that make, do you think? Or why do you think that's important? I think it's important because, as I mentioned in the beginning, the UN has changed a little bit their, their vision. They're trying to be more people-centered now, from post-Second World War being very state-centric to being more open to the people now. Like with the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, for example, a lot of those actually start from the people. They actually start or try to start to make a difference. And I think if everybody were to support the mission of the UN, we could actually do a lot of difference because, or make um, a change, a positive change, just because if people work together and people were trying to start building from the bottom up, we could reach great things. It doesn't always have to be dictated from the top. It doesn't always have to be those great politicians telling people what to do and which rules to follow. It can also come from civil society, it can come from the people. And if people unite, we have seen that in the past, there are great things they can reach. That's interesting. So I, I never thought that the UN would be as kind of holistic an organization. You know, I always thought of the UN as kind of these elected people who decide everything and then implement everything to hear that it kind of goes both ways, that they also listen to the people is, is very interesting. Um, about sustainability, was that is that a big topic for you? Was that one of the factors coming to the Carls? Because I know the Carls has a very heavy um, emphasis on sustainability. I mean, you have a sustainable practice course yes, or sustainable development can. course right now. Um, was that any motivation? And, and what do you do? Is that a, like a big topic for you? It, it definitely is. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say that I'm this person that lives as perfectly sustainable as can be. I think we all have um, things to learn still and we all have ways where we could improve, but it's definitely something I try to pay attention to. I try to buy sustainable. I'm not eating meat, for example. This is a personal choice. And Or when I buy clothes, for example, I try to not support fast fashion and something like that. So I'm trying, but I still have a lot to learn. I mean... Um it's important, again, that it's kind of a two-sided thing, right? Where it's about the individual, but also about the organization. Yeah, for right? sure. And it's, again, this kind of thing where the individual can make a difference. And I think this is something that's really important to me. Because I, as a younger kid, I always thought 
what difference can I make? I'm, I'm just such a small person. I'm, I'm such a small part of this ginormous world, basically, or of a ginormous organization, although I'm not really a, a part of the United Nations, but I'm just such a small person. What can I do? And I think this is something that I want people to understand that it is possible to make a difference, even though your actions might seem super small to you and your actions might seem unimportant, they are important and they matter to somebody. Um, and even if it's just one other person that they matter to, they do matter because you're making a difference. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of these things of me not eating meat might not make the biggest difference, but by not eating meat, I'm part of the kind of movement of vegetarianism in Germany that's been rising a lot, right? Exactly. And uh, has had significant influences. So you're really saying that, like, especially in line with the EU, um, to be part of something bigger than just your actions. And if you don't take those personal actions, you can't be part of that, right? Exactly. It, starts, it starts from you, basically, and it goes from there. It's also similar to what you said about the Carls, right? About how you want to feel like you're part of the living university, right? Yeah, exactly. Just being part of something that, that is changing and is trying to also make a difference. And I think, for me at least, this is also something that the Carls is trying to do, to make a difference and to also empower others to make a difference in the community as well. About the community. So have you been to Karlsruhe before moving to the Karls? Have you got any impressions about Karlsruhe? What's your experience with the city been like? That's a funny story because I actually live quite close to Karlsruhe. It's not that far. It's only one and a half hours by car, but I've never been, which oh, really? is kind of embarrassing. What well, was the go-to big city then? What did you replace um, us with? I mean, Stuttgart is close, but oh, okay. everybody that's from Stuttgart is going to hate me for saying that. Karlsruhe is prettier than Stuttgart. Um... <laughs> I'm really sorry to everybody who I offended now. Um, but actually, with my family, we went further away. We didn't really stay in the area. Or if we did, we went more to the nature side. What was your kind of go-to family destination then? Or what was your, like, just for a little bit of a story, what was your, like, favorite family holiday that you took, my for favorite example? favorite family holiday? That's difficult. We did. We went to a lot of different places. We, we didn't have the standard place or the go-to place we always went to every year, which is completely fine. Other families do that, and I think it's, it can also be great. Um, we did two trips to the U.S., which was really fun. But as a kid, I also loved going to um, Italy, for example. I'm a big pasta fan. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I loved going there and just eating the great pasta there. And pizza, obviously. Do you have a pasta machine at home? Do you make your own pasta? No, I don't, but you gotta get it's, one. it's not me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so Karlsruhe, have you got a favorite favorite memory of the city so far or favorite experience with it? Have you had any kind of shockingly bad experiences or any very nice ones i guess it's been hard with the pandemic but yeah it's been a little different with the pandemic but i do think that um i like the schloss park a lot it's, it's a very beautiful place and i think especially in summer i was able to see that a little bit still because as i said before in, a, in the pandemic was a little better in summer so you were actually able to go do some things and during orientation week and also a little bit after, we were able to meet in Schloss Park and just hang out there, have fun. And that's a very good memory I have. A shockingly bad memory? Off the top of my head, no, but I might come back to that and tell you, oh, I remembered something now. Oh, yeah? Okay, okay. I hope you don't. Maybe I don't. You. It would be nicer if you didn't have the shockingly bad memories or if you can just like blank them out totally to the side. That's Yeah, you, I mean, I know? don't remember anything as of now, but I've only been here for... When did I move here? September, so 
how long is that now? That's a math problem. September, <laughs> October, November, December, January, February, March. So yeah. Yeah, we're we're known as uh, humanities students are known for not being the most mathematically gifted. I guess. I actually wasn't as bad in math in um, high school, but I didn't do it for a very long time. So sorry I think to decline. Obviously, like I love what I studied. I studied PPE. I love you know the humanities. I love philosophy. I've loved most of the professors that I've had at the Carls. It's been a great experience. But if I'd been good enough at math, I definitely would have studied engineering and just like. <laughs> drove a nice car for the rest of my life. I guess I'd be a much more boring person, but you know, I would have gone for it, I think. Yeah, um, I don't think I would have, I don't know, maybe if I were better at math, I, I would have done something differently. We could talk about women in STEM for a while if you want and why they're lacking, but I don't think that's a good... That's, that's not really my topic of expertise. That yeah, is an interesting topic, but I don't think I have very much to contribute there. What do you think was the, the biggest lesson you've learned since uh, your time as a student, whether it's... Uh, that you have to buy dishwasher tabs to clean your dishes or something you learned in university what's been like a big eye-opener for you? Mm, I mean, living, living by yourself is obviously, I think actually, yeah, I've just talked about this with a friend. It is how expensive um, sustainable products are. It's really, really hard with a student budget, budget to actually buy sustainable uh, food, food especially. I mean, when, when I'm in a supermarket and I see like the fair trade kind of thing. And then I see the cheap thing. I'm like, hmm, for my budget, it would definitely be better to buy the cheap thing. But actually, from my personal opinion or from my perceptions, I should maybe go for the sustainable option, but I don't have the money to do so. So, I mean, I knew that those products were more expensive or that the others are probably too cheap. But I don't know, I just came to this realization how hard it is to, to live sustainable, basically. There's been a big kind of, I think that's like a bigger topic that maybe during the course of your studies, you could look over a little bit more, which is this idea of that um, being sustainable is often like a privilege, right? Exactly, because a luxury. You do of. have to make sacrifices, mm. right? And if you're not capable of making those sacrifices, then how are you supposed to do that? Exactly. You know? And uh, yeah. No, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting topic. And I think it's definitely something we might have had a... Oh, um, what other experiences have you made at the Carls? I mean, there's a lot to do outside of studying, right? Um, I hope you've made a few friends at least. I, I doubt that uh, you wouldn't have. But um, have you gotten involved in any of the kind of initiatives or looked for a job at the Carls or anything like that? Yeah, initiatives. Um, I've... I'm actually a part of three initiatives, if you want to count Stoof. I'm a part of Stoof. Um, Are you sure you sleep? I, I do sleep. Okay. Good. I try to get eight hours of sleep every night. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, then I'm a part of Voices at Carl's, which is an initiative that organizes events and different empowerment workshops and things like that. And I'm a part of, and now actually am head of the Carl's Moon Initiative, so Model United Nations. So again, oh, we're makes, at United uh, Nations. Makes some amount of sense. So what is what is Carl's Moon? Do you guys organize your own Model United Nations or what is the... Uh the objective there and what even is the model united nations so model united nations as the name says is trying to model the united nations depending on how often you've done the process you simulate either the security council or the ecosoc or sometimes also the general assembly and you debate about a topic that is decided beforehand and you prepare for a specific country so you, you are a delegate of a specific country for instance spain then you go there and you look up beforehand the position of spain to that specific topic and then you debate and you're obviously trying with your country and with your country's perspective to get a resolution that your country would be happy with mm -hmm. so you're not really being yourself you're trying to um, act as if the country as if you were the actual country delegate the country's representative and 
um, they used to go to bigger moon um, events mm -hmm. before COVID, but obviously right now it's all a little bit put to a stop because it. I think there are online moons, but they're not as popular. But before I came to Carl's and before I um, became head of the initiative, they actually, um, Carl Car Moon is quite big, which is uh, Model United Nations in Karlsruhe, mm -hmm. which is in cooperation with the Car Moon something that from the KIT mm -hmm. and they also went to different places where modern United Nations was organized so they went to Prague before for example and other places but I wasn't there yet and now as I said before with the pandemic I actually haven't been part of a modern United Nations I mean we could speak probably for a long time about how unfortunate it is to start your studies right now I mean I'm lucky I got to finish right as the, as the pandemic started so I kind of like you know, Indiana Jones, I slid in and got my hat yeah. out just before it went down. And uh, I can't imagine what it's like for you. But um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Do you think that um, this kind of experience of like really living the MUN, right? And like kind of getting in the shoes of someone in the processes, do you think it kind of gives people a kind of an experience or like a perspective that they wouldn't get just reading about it? What do you think about like how important is this process of kind of living it you know i see it with the students that we do that with especially when we do security council for example they are very upset about the veto rights <laughs> they are very upset that they talked so long and they were discussing for so long and they had interesting and um like fruitful discussions and then one of these big nations p5 comes along and just vetoes the entire thing and nothing happens so that's something that um, always sparks great discussion afterwards they're like yeah why does this happen couldn't there something be changed about it like can't we do something and i think that's one thing like to just make them understand the processes but also like for older people or like in the university college age um i think it's also interesting just to look up the position of a country and to discuss about it i mean it's also a great thing to practice your speaking skills and to practice discussion discussing with others so yeah i still remember i did uh, the Karlsruhe mun a while back and we were in the security council and i was very like I'm a very opinionated person, uh, but we got the position of uh, Poland in the Security Council. And when we researched, we realized that we're a very religious party and a very conservative party. So I was like, oh, I might as well stay at home, right? But I remember we were kind of forced to request a minute of prayer as part of the paradigm, because otherwise oh, wow. we're not representing the highly <laughs> yeah, Christian yeah. party. So we had to seriously like request a minute of prayer and stay silent and like... I've had interviews where people have said things that made me want to laugh and I like had to stop myself from laughing sometimes because they're being very serious, mm -hmm. especially when interviewing musicians. Never really happened with the Carl Schuler podcast. Um, but I think I never had a harder time not trying to laugh as when I had to ask for a minute of prayer and every one I of these students that. had to kind of play along with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's just very interesting to also maybe present an opinion or be become a party that doesn't necessarily represent your own opinion mm. because it, it's a great practice yeah no i totally agree i, I um, started a debate initiative in the castle a while ago it kind of died now but um it was the exact same idea because i did a lot of debating when i was younger that kind of by arguing the counterpoints and putting yourself in the position of something you don't agree with you kind of expand the way you think about things definitely right? yeah it also like gets you to reflect. I think that that also maybe brings us back to like this, this whole idea of 
why the idea of the UN is so important to maybe also reflect upon the positions of different people and people that live in a completely different circumstance or that have a completely different way of life than you. And I think those kind of initiatives or those kind of events like Model United Nations or UN at school really is a great starting point there or this debating thing mm -hmm. like to, to get you to reflect what, what would other people think and why do other people think that way. I remember as well, it's also a good point for the corals, right? Because you've got such a diverse mix of people. For sure. I remember there was people in my class who on day one, I completely disagreed with them. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. I'm going to have to argue with them all day long. But by the end, I was really glad of it. Have you had that kind of experience? Because I know there's a lot of exchange between classes. Uh, I'm not sure how much debate goes on in the online territory. But have you also got that similar feeling that being at an international university, it's kind of confronted you with like different cultures and different ideologies that you hadn't really yeah, experienced yeah, before? Yeah, definitely. Like it, it also confronted me maybe with my own assumptions and my own prejudice and biases probably. So it really got me also to reflect after class. We had interesting discussions and I think the professors are trying their very best to um, integrate as much discussion as possible. It's not the same as in person. We did have in the beginning, I think we had around five or six weeks, if I'm not mistaken, of in-person still. And obviously the, debate, the debates were very, very different. It was great and it was so much fun and online, you can never replace that. Yeah. But it still happens and you still get to hear different opinions and also like you get to understand different perspectives and that's so interesting to me. So yeah, it has happened to me before. That's interesting. Are you a um, camera on or camera off person during lectures? Camera on actually. Camera on, yeah. really? I'm one of those people. How many are there of you? You it, brave soldiers. It depends on the class. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, and also the time of class. I, I would say if it's afternoon, like three-ish, then it's more people because everybody's kind of awake. And then it could be up to, I would say maybe 10 people on camera, possibly. But sometimes in the morning classes, zero, one, two. I mean, I've done classes in bed before and um, told them that my camera is broken. So I know how that is. I mean... There's like the there's this thing of like what morning is for normal people and what morning is for students and they're two very different things. So for sure. um, I used to think I'm not a morning person, but I actually found out I am. Oh yeah? Do you just drink a lot of coffee or something? No, I'm actually not a coffee drinker. Really? Yeah. What do you drink? Green water. Tea? Water. <laughs> I'm such a water person. Like well, water, water, water all day. <laughs> fair enough. I mean I wish. Um wish I could be like that. I quit coffee for a while. I got back used to it now and now I can't live without it again. And uh yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. It's not that I don't like coffee. It's just that I don't drink it. Smart. Smart. I remember that uh, if you start drinking coffee when you are used to it every morning, you just get to normal. If you have your coffee, you don't get any more energized. So I guess mm -hmm. you're like more effective. And how else could you be the head of multiple organizations and stuff if you are some kind of, you know, coffee drinker? Um, Tell us about the other initiative, the Voices of Carls. Is that about giving people a stage, giving people a platform, or is it about singing? No, um, it's actually about empowering people. So we, um, I think our like flagship event is the Carls Pride, mm -hmm. which I haven't organized yet because it's in June. That's Pride Month. So um, they always organize a big event there, but we also organize other events um, depending on the circumstances. So for example, if a few weeks ago now, we had International Women's Day and we organized an event about gender-biased microaggressions and sexual harassment. So it was a um, lecture by Ella at first mm -hmm. and then it was um, an interactive discussion kind of 
with like anonymous questions and we also had a padlet where people could t talk about their stories and their experiences and it was really really interesting just to also reflect again and to hear other people's experiences so yeah and um, besides organizing these bigger events that are kind of open to everybody open to the public we also have this um, like internal voices um, meeting where we just talk about different topics on a more personal level. What's affecting me right now? What's up for me? What have I been thinking about? Maybe why have these days been hard for me? Also, obviously, in the pandemic, like what am I struggling with? So do you guys kind of listen to the students and hear what the students' concerns are and then kind of tailor the events around them or does it go the other way? Um, I think it's more the other way right now. Because it's more like, okay, this is what's up. Like right now we have Women's History Month or right now we have Racism Awareness Week or something like that or Weeks Against Racism. And then we try to organize events based on that. But I think if there were to be a really interesting idea or just some kind of idea from the Carl's community, we could obviously also integrate that. But I think that's also more like through Stoof again, where people more reach out to the representatives and are like, I have this and that idea. Could you somehow yeah, integrate that somewhere? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like if someone had something to say that they really wanted to say, you'd give them a platform, right? For sure, yeah. People can always like make their voices heard in this initiative. That's why it's called Voices, basically. I feel like, especially here on a stage with microphones, I feel like giving people a stage is the most important thing a lot of the time, you know, just letting yeah, them kind of speak for themselves, not asking what the problem is. They're saying this is the problem in an academic sense, but kind of listening and hearing people. Yeah, and also know? helping them find their voice. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's not easy to articulate what you want to bring across or what the problem is or what affects you right now. And this is also what the initiative is about. So trying to help people understand and trying to help people reflect possibly. Do you think you bring in an element of like art or music or theater or something like that for this? Any kind of performance? Because I know that for people to understand their own feelings and their own struggles, a lot of the time they do express them, you know, not as kind of vocally, but like in those kind of performances. Have you guys kind of try to introduce things like that or would you be open to introducing things like that we haven't done it as much yet but i think we definitely be open for something like that at the end of or also at the beginning of last event i moderated the last event the international women's day or co-moderated it mm -hmm. and i tried to do some kind of spoken poetry opening and the closing was also poetry and that's something we, we do try to integrate and we definitely be open to integrate more in the future because i do think as you said it's it's a great opportunity yeah I'm going to check the timer real quick, wherever my phone is. I'm just going to drink something. Do I know where my phone is? Hold on. Let's take a quick break. Yeah, I just want to check the timer. Okay, 15 minutes. Do you have a poem with you that you could read to close out the show? Hmm? Do you have a poem that you could read out to close out the show? Um, Would you like to? You don't have to. I don't, I don't have one right now. I, I do remember part of the poem that I kind of, it, was, it wasn't necessarily a poem poem, it was more like, this, like I don't know if you if you, you probably do know spoken poetry, mm -hmm. but more like. I mean, this is where like slam poetry uh, yeah. in Kotswa is run from. So I think we know a little bit of what's the difference between spoken poetry and slam poetry. Or like um, I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I would say that spoken poetry is more like um, you're. It's not necessarily a poem poem it's more like and it's not a speech so it's something in between a poem and a speech i would say it's trying to bring the rc perspective in there and trying to make it sound good mm -hmm. and even though speeches can sound good but i think it's um 
I don't know. It's hard to say what. Like, I'm not. An, I'm certainly not an expert, but that's how I would. I would kind of define it. So, in between a speech and and a poem. Okay, that's interesting. I have to like search it up sometime. I mean, is it also like very performative then? In that sense? Yeah, def it's definitely about performance also. Like, I don't know if if you've seen the um, the inauguration of President Biden. No, I didn't watch it. Okay, yeah, there was this um, porrid laureate, I can't Lord, say that yeah. word. Yeah, and she kind of did this this mixture of spoken to poetry and written poetry, and, and it was very inspirational for many, many people. That's interesting. So um, have you got a favorite poet, a favorite artist, a favorite musician or something, someone that inspired you when you were young, other than Emma Watson? Um, yeah, just talking about this inaug inauguration, actually, I, I found this, I didn't know her beforehand, but this poem, poet there, I found really, really inspiring. Her name is Amanda Gorman. I hope I said that right. Um, I loved her poem and it was, it was great. So yeah, she's, she's been really inspiring me. Um, other than that, I used to be a very big Miley Cyrus fan. Um, not so much anymore. That was more like looking up to as mm -hmm. a kid. I mean, I still like her. I just don't follow her as closely anymore, but yeah, Emma Watson, I really like, and um, possibly also Leonardo DiCaprio. Why him? Um, it's not just because he's pretty, right? No, it's not just because he's pretty. I Again, we're back at United Nations because he um, is an advocate for the climate program. Mm -hmm. And I find that really interesting, like how he uses the platform to raise awareness for those kind of issues. I really like when people have a platform and they don't just use it to advertise a product or to advertised in new movies, which they're obviously allowed to do, but if they use it for something to make a change, to make a difference, and to to get people aware of something. Yeah, of course, of course. It's nice to see that they're going against their own personal interests. It means that they really care, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So have you got any advice for anyone who would be thinking about supporting the UN or joining in any initiatives or coming to COSFO or something like that? What would be your kind of final words for any listener that you'd like to get out there as a message? So um, my first advice would be that you're never too small to make a difference. You can always do something. Even if it's a very small action that might seem ridiculously small to you, it's not. It's important and it matters. And if you want to do more, there's ways you can do more. You can become part of one of these initiatives, like Karlshochschule, for example, and try to make a difference in that way. Or if you want to become part of the UNA Germany, for example, or the Young European Federalists, for example, that, that's an option. I mean, you do pay a little bit of a fee, and if you don't want to pay that, I think you can also discuss it with them. That's an, that's an option also. And then you can also become more involved on these institutional levels, basically, and be part of discussions and panels there. But even if you don't want to do that and do want to support the mission of the United Nations, I think it's just like try to be an active member of your community. Try to reflect on your own biases, your own prejudice, and try to build something from the bottom up. Try to make your own difference in your own life. And even if it seems small, as I said before, it, it isn't small and it does matter and it is important. Nice. Okay. So thank you very much, Nina. Uh, thank you to Kohi. Thank you to the Kassel for making this a reality. Remember, you can find this, I assume, on Apple Music and, uh, well, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as on the Kohi YouTube channel for the video version. I really enjoyed our talk. I hope you had a nice time, too. Thank you I again for did. coming. Thank All you right. for having me. Great. Well, then, thanks very much, and uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you. Right. You bye too. Bye-bye.